But I do know that it's 6.30 and I see Pastor Ken coming. He's almost in a sweat. He's running. <laughs> Come on, Ken. Show us that you're running. Good evening. <laughs> we're going to definitely work on our handout sheet procedure. We're, we're going to get that down here by the end of the week. Welcome to our service tonight. We're so glad that you've chosen to come and worship together with us tonight. We look forward to this evening. It'll be a full evening, but it'll be a good evening, and it'll be a good week. So with that, I invite us just to join together in prayer. Let's stand for prayer this evening. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you thanking you for life itself, thanking you for the opportunity that we can come tonight to quiet our hearts to reflect upon you, your goodness, to reflect upon the words we learned, we heard this morning about your love for us. Lord, tonight as we hear more teachings from John, we pray, Lord, that it'll be your voice that'll come through, your spirit that will touch ours, that you will meet us right where we are, and that each of the topics that we look at this week will be relevant in some way that we can connect, that we can learn and that we'll be able to, with the help of your Holy Spirit and the doctrines of your word, the teachings of your word, through prayer, that we will experience healing and wholeness in our lives, in our marriages, in our families. And for that, we want to give you honor and glory and praise. And tonight, as we enter into a time of worship and a time of teaching, 
We ask for your spirit to just fall upon this place. And for that, we want to give you praise and thanksgiving in your name. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, we're going to sing. Actually, we get a little bit of a do-over this morning for those of you that were in the service. We're going to sing some of the same songs. Um, and you're welcome to stand if you would like to for a little bit. And, uh, and then I, well, let's just stand. Let's not... <laughs> Let, let's not even worry about it. We'll just stand and then I'm not here by myself, standing. Okay, sorry.
continue in worship this evening and sing our great God.
I trust you've all received your handouts, the two pages. If you haven't, you might want to raise your hand, and I'm sure someone will get those sheets to you. This evening we're going to talk about something that um, we don't normally think about as Christians, and that is the emotional pain that people have inside their heart. Uh, Over the years, the last 10 years, I've been uh, keeping a record of the different kinds of emotional pain that people carry. And um, this evening I'd like to share uh, what I've learned um, as I've sat down with couples to understand what do they struggle with inside. Um, People often struggle with emotional issues inside their heart And there are two issues that people have that are a problem. One would be what I'm going to call a sin issue, which we're going to talk about later in the week. A sin issue would be something that you need to acknowledge and repent of. Something like bitterness would be something that's a spiritual issue, pride, rebellion, uh, moral failure for one's past, or all things that the Bible says we need to confess. But there's a second issue that people have, what I'm going to call an emotional issue. If a person has been emotionally damaged, that emotional damage often affects them later in life. For example, if a child is adopted, often they have abandonment pain inside. And every time someone leaves them, they emotionally get charged inside and either get angry, feel rejected, feel unloved, because when they were young, they were abandoned. Now people often say, but I adopted my boy or my my girl when she was a day old. A child still feels that. In fact, children can even feel what happens in the womb. A lady came into my office, she was 40 years of age, and she said, I've never cried a day in my life. My mother said that when I was hungry, I never cried. When I was sick, I never cried. And she says I was the hardest child to raise. So I went back to ask the question, why would this lady never cry in 40 years? I found out that her mother, when she was seven months in the womb, wanted to abort her. So she went to the doctor and says, I want you to abort my daughter. And the doctor said, I can't abort a a daughter at seven months in your womb. And so she had her daughter. Forty years later, sitting in my office, I led her in a prayer. Jesus, my mother wanted to take my life when I was in the womb. What did that do to me? And all of a sudden, for the first time in 40 years, she burst into 30 minutes of tears because she had been rejected in the womb, her mother tried to take her life, and emotionally her whole heart died inside. Another lady, um, two young people rebelled against their parents and decided to get pregnant so that they could leave their families. And uh, all four grandparents wanted the daughter to be aborted because um, of the rebellion of their children. Uh, Instead of Having the abortion, the two young parents, 18 years of age, decided to have their baby. But that girl grew up to have rejection pain for years after that and could never 
uh, ever accept anyone accepting her or loving her because of her pain. These are the kinds of pain issues I'm talking about. Now, I use illustrations that come out of my office. Not all of you have those same um, experiences in your personal life. But what I found is what happens to us in the first 18 years of our life often affects how we respond later in life and it produces emotional pain. There are two kinds of damage that I want you to think about when you think about emotional pain. The first is things that happened to us that emotionally damaged us. For example, um, if a person has an angry, critical parent, that can create pain inside a person's heart where every time a person is angry and critical, a person puts a wall up and reacts to anger and criticism. That's because someone has done something to damage that heart. But there's a second kind of damage, and that is when a person doesn't receive what they should have received. For example, if parents don't talk to a child, that child is going to struggle because parents should be talking to their children. If a child is not accepted in a home or rejected or not wanted, those things, even though nothing ever happened, they feel the pain of that rejection, that pain that they didn't experience. So I'd like to begin this evening by asking you a question. Was I ever damaged as an individual by something that someone else did to me that emotionally affected me? The second question is, did I not receive something that I should have received as a child? Now, whether we're talking about you or talking about your spouse or talking about uh, someone you love, if you want to understand a person, focus on their emotional heart need how they were damaged or how um, they emotionally um, were uh, affected by the pain in their life. The Bible says in Galatians that we're to bear one another's burdens, we're to care for one another, we're to understand one another and assist one another in coming to freedom from this emotional pain. David experienced emotional pain. In Psalms 55, my heart is in anguish within me. Psalms 102, he gives a picture of his heart. And later on this evening, we're going to talk about how do you actually pray to get healing from the issues that have been damaged in your heart. David says, and he draws a picture of his heart, my heart has been smitten like the grass and has withered away. Psalms 109.22, I am afflicted and needy, and my heart is wounded within me. David is describing his emotional pain, the things he experiences in, experienced in his personal life. There are four kinds of problems that I see that people have, and we're going to define those four problems this evening. <clears throat> and if you take the chart that you received with all the different problems on the outside of it, I made a list of all the kinds of problems that come into my office. The first is what I'm going to call spiritual issues. On the right-hand side of your sheet, you have a list of seven spiritual problems. All I did 
was took the Bible and listed everything the Bible says we need to acknowledge and repent of. So if we have these issues in our lives, we need to acknowledge them and resolve those through repentance. The question is, how do spiritual issues affect our lives? How do they affect how we respond in relationship? For example, <clears throat> if you have a bitter wife, does that affect a relationship between a husband and wife? You say, obviously, the wife may be bitter toward her father, may be bitter toward her husband, and that's going to affect her pulling away. What if you have, for example, a prideful husband? He's all about himself. He doesn't notice his wife, he doesn't notice his children. He's all focused on himself. What does that do in relationship? Or what if you have a husband who's into pornography, a moral failure, and he's addicted to pornography? Or what if you have a wife who is into hypocrisy, pretending she doesn't have a problem when she does have a problem, and not admitting when something's wrong? You see, each one of these spiritual problems affects relationship. Now, when I was a pastor, <clears throat> my desire was to help people get free from whatever issues they had. And people would come into my office with spiritual issues or emotional issues, and I would just help them resolve those. What I found was when you resolve emotional and spiritual issues in your life, couples come on honeymoons. All of a sudden, a couple will connect, and you can't pull a marriage apart. Uh, a couple from Boulder came to Colorado Springs for counseling. He had an addiction to pornography. He reacted to his father's dominance and anger. And so for four hours, I took him and we went through and identified those issues, led him to resolve those through prayer. His wife had been sexually abused. She also had an issue with her mother uh, where her mother was controlling and critical, and we worked through that. The next week, I got three phone calls from the church saying, John, would you counsel us? I said, why do you want counseling? They said, well, this other couple's talking nonstop. Uh, they sat close in church Sunday, and they got all excited about each other, and they talked about how exciting their counseling was. Actually, that four hours I spent with them it was a grueling afternoon of confession and praying through pain. What happened was, as soon as you get the sin out of a person's life, and they're no longer struggling with that, as soon as you get the emotional pain out of a person's life, two hearts are open to connect. And most couples call what they experience after spending time working through those issues, is it's better than their first honeymoon because for the first time their hearts are totally open from these spiritual and emotional problems. The second area on your sheet that we're gonna talk about later in the week is what I call abuse issues. We have verbal abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, spiritual abuse. When a person's been damaged, what happens is emotionally everything shuts down inside. You can take, for example, a 14-year-old girl who's making A's in school um, very active socially, happy girl. And if you sexually abuse her, all of a sudden her grades go down to D's. She stays in her bedroom. She doesn't want to go to school. Everything changes just because of the sexual abuse. Or you can take a child who's verbally abused and emotionally that damages them. 
So later in the week, we're going to talk about how does abuse emotionally damage a person. Then we're going to talk about emotional issues, and we're going to start this evening and uh, continue tomorrow night. But how do emotional issues damage a person? And on your left-hand side of your sheet, I listed 12 different emotional pain issues people experience. After the break tonight, we're going to identify a lady who had five of those toward the bottom of that list where her mother emotionally damaged her and she emotionally reacted to that. And uh, a friend in church befriended her and began praying with her and she lost her pain from what her mother uh, did to damage her. These are emotional issues. The question is, how do emotional issues damage a person? How do they damage relationship? Let's just take one, the bottom one, drained emotionally. That's where you have a depressed father or mother and a child is damaged because mom is so focused on herself. She talks about her pain constantly and doesn't really ever nurture the child, but is focused on her pain. That emotionally damages the person. And 90% of the time when you grow up, you'll marry your worst parent. So if a daughter has a mother who's depressed, uh, she's 90% of the time going to marry a husband who's depressed. And now she has 60 years to live with a depressed guy. Okay, how do you actually resolve that pain in a person's life if they've lived with a depressed person who's struggling? Or we can take another one. What if a person has a father who's emotionally detached? How does that affect them? How does that affect how they respond in relationship? Now these are the emotional issues. The fourth issue is what I'm gonna call pressure patterns at the top. Pressure patterns aren't necessarily sin, but they can emotionally damage. For example, what if you have a perfectionist father? Everything has to be done perfect. And you can't ever meet his expectations. How does that damage? Or what if you have a controlling mother? Or what if you have an expressive person in your home who talks nonstop? Now, we've all been in homes where nobody talks at the dinner table. We've also been in homes where everybody talks but nobody listens. So you can have four children, two parents, and they're all talking, but nobody's listening. What does that do? Okay, that damages in its own way. And then at the end we have, what if you have an angry, critical person? How does that damage a person? Now on this sheet, I've taken everything that I've found in my office over the years and I put it on one sheet. I pull this sheet out every week. And I ask people, have you been damaged in any of these ways? And a person will say, yes, my father was angry, my mother was detached, and my dad was all about himself. I had a brother in pornography. Um, I had an uncle who sexually abused me. And so you have the issues that people struggle with. Now, once a person has been emotionally damaged, what happens is they emotionally lock up on those issues and can't respond in relationship to other individuals. So we want to ask the question, how do we resolve these issues? 
was in my office. These are the things that are coming into my office and I have to resolve them. <clears throat> now in this conference, we're actually going to practically show you if you struggle with any of these issues, here's how you resolve those. Here's how you walk through those. The wonderful thing is that emotional pain can be healed. Psalms 147 says that God heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. God can heal hearts that are damaged. I mentioned this morning that everybody struggles with something. Everybody has an emotional pain issue. Everybody has what I call an emotional need. Now the question is, what is that? Now if a husband figures out his, emo his wife's emotional need and begins to care about it, she's going to be all excited. If on the other hand a wife understands her husband's emotional needs and begins to care about it, it's going to flip them on what I call an emotional connected relationship where they're going to have fun emotionally connecting with each other and responding to each other. In Luke 4.18, the Bible says that Jesus came um, to preach the gospel to the poor. That's evangelism. Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. Jesus came to care about people emotionally damaged, whether it's abuse, whether it's emotional pain, whether it's from pressure patterns. Uh, Jesus came to heal them. Thirdly, he came to proclaim liberty to the captives. Those are the spiritual issues. God wants to free people from spiritual issues like bitterness, um, moral addictions, and we're going to talk about that later in the week. Then Jesus came to bring sight to the blind, that's physical healing. And finally, he came to set at liberty those that were oppressed. That refers to the people abused. Now, what Jesus came to do is what I think God wants you and I to do as believers is to care about these areas of emotional pain, spiritual issues, and abuse issues that people struggle with in their personal life. Now, I'd like to talk tonight about emotional damage, and uh, I'm going to give an overview of it, and then we're going to talk about how do you actually heal emotional pain, and we're going to go after the break to David's life and show you how David took his emotional pain uh, to God and allowed God to heal it. Emotional damage, how does it affect a person? <clears throat> if a person's hurt, how does it affect them? First of all, it affects how they view themselves. Individuals come into my office and say, I just feel worthless every day. Okay, this morning we talked about you need to go and find the cause. Why does a person feel worthless? There's a reason for that. We want to find the cause and we want to lead them in a prayer to actually resolve the cause of why they feel that way. Secondly, it affects how we respond to other people. By the way, we're in the outline. Uh, if you'd like to follow along the other sheet, um, you're welcome to jot in notes if you'd like to do that. Secondly, it affects how we respond to other people, whether we're angry, whether we push away from other people, whether we build walls between us and other people, is all dependent on the pain we've experienced in our past, whether we can love other people or whether we can't. Now, some people can easily love because they weren't damaged. 
Other people can't respond to love. They're too scared. There's too much emotional pain inside. Thirdly, it affects how we treat others, whether we're kind, open, or whether we're frustrated in relationship. Fourth, it affects how we react to others who touch our pain. What I've found personally in my counseling office is this. When a person has been damaged and they get married, you don't have to step very hard on their pain because if a person was never given attention as a child and you ignore them as a husband, you know, ignore your wife who never got attention, emotionally that wife is going to struggle and get upset with you because you're not paying attention to them. It also affects how we view God. Often people say, I just see God as angry. He's always angry at me and I never feel like he accepts me. Whatever you see God at, most often, if you go back to the parents, the parents' damage causes a person to see God in that same way. And it's interesting, if you react to God, it's always, almost always because something has happened in your childhood where your uh, view of God has been damaged and negatively affected. The question is, can you heal emotional pain? Years ago, when I was first a pastor, I would send people to counselors. And uh, I got frustrated because people came back the same. They didn't get help. Then I found that counselors often are taught, you just talk to people about their problem, and when you talk to them, they feel better. That's counseling. Well, that means all of us could be a counselor because any one of us could talk to a person. And they often say, in fact, uh, I've heard counselors come out of seminaries where they say, we were taught in seminary, you never tell a person their problem, and you never give them a solution to their problem. They have to figure it out on their own. All your job is to listen to them and facilitate them figuring out their problem. Well, the problem is, if you're spending $120 an hour for someone just to listen to you, you might as well pick anyone in the church. Anybody in the church could do that good. You don't need an education for that. The problem is, we're not helping people understand what their problem is. When I started counseling, I began to realize I have a responsibility to help people, first of all, identify what is my problem? What am I struggling with? And I have to understand what's happening inside their heart. Then I have to understand what is the biblical answer for this problem? How can I lead them to actually resolve the problem? And then I take the opportunity to actually show them how to resolve that. It's been fun because um, the average professional counselor only helps about 15% of the people. My goal is to help 90% of the people come to freedom. It's my goal. I don't tell very many people that, but I want 90% of my people that are depressed to walk out of my office ident having identified the cause of their depression and have had it resolved. Now, it doesn't mean that that uh, weakness goes away because a person's weakness always remains their weakness and they will struggle with that. But freedom is being able to not 
uh, lock up on that pain for the rest of your life. So emotional pain can be healed, but as I mentioned this morning, it involves a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus is going to heal their hearts. I'm not as a counselor going to heal it. And we're going to use prayer. And we're going to go to find the cause of that problem to help them understand where did that anger come from? Where did that depression come from? Where did that insecurity come from? There's always a reason for that. And then go back to actually lead them in a prayer to resolve that issue in their heart. How does a person respond to being emotionally damaged? Well, some individuals become bitter toward the person who hurt them. And they will say, I will never ever forgive that person because of what they did to me. It's amazing how many people carry bitterness in their heart for circumstances in their past. Some people will become angry some people will express their anger. Some people will hold their anger in, leading to anxiety and depression. Different ways people respond to pain. Some people emotionally shut down and disassociate, lose memory. Uh, every time the pain comes, they check out. I had one young man say uh, when he was in school, the teacher was always angry and rejected him and um, would criticize him if he didn't get his work done. And he says, I just stared out at the windows watching the clouds go by. And I never learned anything for the first eight years of my life, eight years in school. Just checked out, totally blocked out. Another individual will take charge and dominate so that no one will ever hurt them again. 90% of girls that are sexually abused become 90 plus percent dominant, 90 plus percent angry, and 95% get divorced. And 40% of girls are sexually abused in our culture. What happens is they become dominant because they say in their hearts, no person is ever going to hurt me like that again. Uh, you can have a young man growing up in a home where his dad's always angry and critical and throwing him across the room. And that young boy is going to make a statement, no person is ever going to hurt me like that again. And when they make that statement, they might be a 30% dominant person and that flips them right to 90%. They may not be an angry person until that point and all of a sudden they're angry. And then they carry that anger and dominance into a marriage. And most people don't like to live with a dominant, angry person. And that emotionally damages. Some people socially pull away, stay home, go to their bedroom for three days, and emotionally withdraw from everyone. Some people pull their heart away so it can't be hurt again. And I ask questions of people, where's your heart? <clears throat> How far away is your heart from your husband? One lady says, um, 20,000 miles. Another lady says, my heart is in Australia. Another lady said, my heart is in Europe. My husband chopped it in a thousand pieces and I hid it in Europe. Why? Because of pain, pulling their heart away so it won't get hurt again. 
How does emotional damage affect relationships? Well, an emotionally damaged heart will not be able to respond to relationship. They can't give and they can't receive love. They build a wall between them and the other person. And their heart is too damaged to see another's need for love or give them anything because they fear responding lest they're going to be hurt again. And people build walls between them and another person. One man, when I ask him, did you build a wall between you and your wife? He says, yes, it's 36 inches of concrete with one and a half inch rebar. Now, how would you like to be sitting in, your off in my office and your wife hears that because of her damage, that's the wall she had built with her husband. A lady said, 12 inch steel, plate steel. No doors, no windows between myself and my husband and I built that to protect myself. Now I ask interesting questions in my office. Do you have a wall up between you and your husband? Now sometimes it's sheetrock. Now you can get through sheetrock better than you can get through steel. Better than you can get through concrete. But people know the wall they've built in relationship uh, with another person. But what if we were able to resolve those issues? What happens is the walls disintegrate and all of a sudden two people are connected. By the way, you can tell when two people are connecting in your office, husband and wife, because initially a couple very often can't look at each other. And I have them face each other and I have a husband look in his wife's eyes and she looks at my bookshelf or she looks out the window or her eyes just jump all over the place. She can't focus. Something's wrong. But when a couple starts connecting and the walls go away because we resolve the emotional and spiritual issues in a relationship, what happens is the husband looks at his wife and they connect with each other and they start caring about each other's hearts and I show them how to do that. And what happens is the husband forgets to look at me, gets too excited about looking at his wife. Another problem is when a person's emotionally damaged, often they become self-focused and they only see their own pain. They don't notice anybody else's issues. So in this top of this diagram, a husband only sees his own pain. He doesn't notice he has a wife here who needs to be cared for. He's too focused on his pain. Or you can have a wife who's focused on her pain. She doesn't notice her husband's need because she's too focused on her pain. Now the more difficult marriages to put back together is when you have a husband focused on his pain, a wife focused on her pain. They're both depressed. They're both self-focused. They both want the other person to care about them, but they have nothing to give the other person. In a sense, I love that kind of a case because I love to watch when two people turn from being self-focused to being focused to care about each other. Because if you're depressed, you can't love another person. You're too focused on your pain. But when you start focusing to care about the other person, what happens is it brings joy to relationship between a husband and wife. Now, how do you find the damage that a person has experienced? First of all, you have to focus on the heart of the person to find the damage. You can't find the damage in their head, in their mind. Um, so we want to focus on the heart of a person.
and we focus on the heart of a person and as a counselor I drop into my heart and I just start asking questions questions like has anybody ever cared about you have you ever given your heart to anybody have you ever had someone caring about your emotional needs what kind of emotional needs do you have where's your heart that's an interesting question where did you hide your heart when other people damaged you one lady said when I was growing up my mom kept hurting me emotionally through criticism and my mom couldn't climb into my treehouse so my treehouse was my safe place for my heart nobody could ever hurt me there the young gentleman said when my wife criticizes me I go to my tractor and she doesn't like driving in my tractor and that's my safe place another person says every time I get damaged I go to my horse and I put my arms around my horse and I don't feel pain but I can't be in the house because there's too much pain there another question is do you ever cry inside because you feel lonely and just wish someone would love you would care about you what emotional needs do you have do you want your spouse to meet those emotional needs now when I talk like this some of you are saying I wish my spouse would ask some of the questions John gave well in chart 25 2 which is out on the workbooks uh, if you're interested you can pick them up all those questions are on a piece of paper with a chart 25-2 that you see up in the right hand corner of the chart there but you focus on the heart identify the need and remember there's two kinds of problems that we mentioned earlier there are things a person did not receive as a child that they long for or there could be emotional pain those are the two things you check to find out what's going on inside of the heart so the second thing is we want to ask questions directed to the heart of the individual the third is we want to find the cause of why the person has these problems there's always a reason so we take this particular chart and we identify the issues in the bottom um, triangle and then we want to ask what caused that if a person says yes I cry when I'm alone why do you cry well no one's ever cared for me did your mom care for you Did your dad care for you well no one talked to me when I was little recently I had a premarital case and um, I knew the parents of this girl and she said everybody talked in the family but when everybody talked nobody was interested in listening to me and nobody in the family knew that because the others could express themselves easier than this girl could express herself and she was struggling because no one took the time to listen to what she wanted to share everyone else talked amongst themselves and the family and she was on the outside wishing that she could express herself an emotional pain the cause being that everybody talked but didn't include her in conversation as she was growing up in identifying the cause of specific individuals we want to ask is there a generational pattern coming through okay if grandpa was angry and 
mom is angry and I'm angry could be a three generational anger so the cause may come generationally through or you can say grandma was depressed my father was depressed and I'm depressed that's generational now you can inherit emotional issues that come through the family okay those are usually the more difficult to identify because people coming out of a family just assume that's just the way we are uh, we're just depressed in our family and um, that's just the way we are and you have to accept us no we want to resolve that secondly circumstances in life can emotionally damage a person things that happen uh, death in the family I remember talking with a young man who said I used to be happy until I was driving a tractor with my brother and he was on the steering wheel and he fell off of the tractor and the tractor ran over him and he was my twin and I missed him and I blame myself for his death after that everything turned negative an accident a circumstance in life that emotionally damaged now let me just share this all of these emotional pain issues can be resolved but you have to first of all understand what is the issue where did it come from what caused it and we have to pray to let Jesus heal that in one's heart another source would be parents another source would be a spouse or a sibling or the church or believers within the church or other people in identifying how one has been damaged we want to ask the question what happened to emotionally damage them what caused the pain and I use this emotional pain word sheet um, <clears throat> and if you'd like a copy and I have some up here in the front uh, you're welcome to, at the break to come and pick one up but I have a person just put it numbers in front of each of these words 0 to 10 uh, abandoned accused afraid all my fault alone and all I've done was taken all the emotional pain word sheets that people have brought into my office and I just made a list of them 0 is if they've never felt that pain 1 to 10 is if there's pain 10's the highest pain now a person goes through here and let's say you answer I've never been abandoned you put a zero on abandoned but you say I did have a critical mother and uh, she really damaged me so you might put an eight there the next one is afraid you say I've never been afraid zero the next one is all my fault that's the same as criticism or accused so you're going to put an eight there and then always wrong or alone and you say I've always felt like nobody wanted me and you put a 10 by alone and you go through the whole list what happens is when you bring that into my office and I go through I say somebody was critical of you and someone didn't connect with you or you wouldn't have put a 10 by alone who didn't connect with you emotionally and in a matter of five minutes looking at a sheet like this I can identify what the issues were a person did not receive or where the pain issues were in their life and what happens is it helps me understand what's happening inside the heart of a person now I mentioned earlier everybody has an emotional need and everybody has emotional pain 
I'm waiting for one person, and I've done this for about 10 years, to raise their hand in a seminar and say, I don't have any problem, I don't have any pain. I came from a perfect home and everything is fine. Now I've had two people out of 1,400 couples who said, I can't find any pain from my parents. The rest of them, all but two out of 2,800, identified pain from their home, from either dad or mom or from a sibling. So this is how I find a person's emotional pain. And it helps me understand what's happening inside of the heart. Now, if you're interested in finding out whether you have a wife who has emotional damage, have her take this sheet and just put numbers on it and then sit down with her and say, why did you um, mark a 10 by despised? Or why did you put an eight by you feel good for nothing? Or why did you uh, put a six by publicly shamed? What happened? Now, in every one of those words that are marked, there's a reason why they marked it. There's an event, something that's happened, or someone didn't do something for them that actually caused that pain issue. <clears throat> in resolving emotional pain, we first of all want to accept a person without judging them. This is very important because if you start judging a person for their emotional damage, they will never talk to you again about it. So if a wife says to you, I just feel worthless, and you say, you shouldn't feel that way. You're in Bueller. You have 10 friends here in town. Why would you feel worthless? That's really stupid for you to feel that way. As soon as you say that, she'll never tell you another time what she's feeling inside. And a lot of people have hidden stuff going on inside their heart that they don't tell anybody. I mean, how can you raise your hand in a Sunday school class and say, I feel worthless? Nobody would know what to do with you. But we have all these negative feelings, these things that are happening inside of us that no one takes the time to understand. The second is to understand their pain. What I mean by that is to say, where did that pain come from? How often do you feel it? I want to understand what's happening inside. And you allow the person to start expressing the emotional pain. If you have a wife, for example, who feels all alone, and let's say she cries every day because she feels alone, and let's say she came from a home where her parents were detached, and never took time to talk with her. Okay, we want to understand that pain, and then the third step is we're going to care about that pain. What can I as your husband do to care about the fact that you feel alone? I want to meet that emotional need in your heart. And then the fourth is we're going to lead them in a prayer to resolve it. And I recommend in this prayer to pray what I'm going to call a we prayer. Let's use a husband. Let's say that you as a husband have a wife who feels all alone and she cries every day. And let's say she came from a home where her parents were detached and her parents were busy working and didn't take time to talk with her. You sit down with her in the evening and you pray, Jesus, my wife's struggling. She cries every day. Jesus, do you care that she cries? Have you noticed her tears? She felt all alone because her parents were detached. 
Jesus, what does it do to a little girl, four years of age, if the parents are detached? Can you draw her a picture? And we're going to talk about this after the break. Could you draw her a picture of her heart damaged by parents who were detached, who didn't take time to talk with her? Jesus, how did that make her feel? And you wait two minutes every time you ask a question. Jesus, could you heal my wife's heart from that emotional pain she feels inside? Could you bring peace to her heart? Now, you're not healing that pain as a husband. You can care about it, but you can't heal it. Only Jesus can heal pain. And when you lead a person in that we prayer, what happens is they'll lose 80% of their pain in one prayer. Now, if you don't believe me, try it. Three weeks ago, we were in Florida, and a professional counselor uh, was listening to what I had to say, and she went to a lady for counseling, and she was the counselor, and the lady was depressed severely, and she led her in a wee prayer, just like I described, taking her pain to Jesus, letting Jesus heal. The lady lost her depression in one session. Some people lose 100% when you do that. Some people lose 50%. Then what I do is I show the husband how to care about that. What if I cared about a little girl who felt like she was all alone? That nobody talked to her? Could I talk with her? Could I care about her? Could I meet her emotional need? What happens is your wife all of a sudden for the first day in her life has someone understanding, caring, and actually focusing to meet that need. Now, what do you think that does for a wife? She gets all excited about you. And all of a sudden, instead of having a 12-inch steel wall, all of a sudden the steel wall's gone, and all of a sudden you have a wife who just wants to be close to you, just wants to touch you, It's all excited about you. Flips you on a honeymoon. And it's fun. By the way, try it. All you have to do is identify your wife's emotional need and connect to care about her. And if you see pain, lead her in a prayer to disconnect that pain. Jesus, <clears throat> instead of focusing on uh, people's sin and problem and failure, he focused on accepting, understanding, and caring. And he focused on a person's deepest emotional and spiritual need. If you read through the Gospels, you're going to see how he does this. And he focuses on a person's emotional need inside and cares about it, with a result that the person just opens everything up to him. An example is Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus stole from everyone in town. He was a tax collector. And you remember one day Jesus was walking through town and he looked up in a tree and there was Zacchaeus trying to see Jesus. And Jesus said, today I'm going to eat at your place. And I don't know what happened because the Bible stops the story. Jesus walks into this man's house, probably spends an hour two hours eating lunch at Zacchaeus' house. He walks out and Zacchaeus gives half of his income to the poor and goes back and pays four times the money he stole from everyone. Now what did Jesus do? How does lunch with Jesus change someone to be a stealer into a person who is so generous? 
You know what I think happened? Jesus accepted him where he was. He didn't attack him for stealing. He cared about the fact that here was a man who nobody spent time with, everybody hated him, but Jesus chose to love him. And secondly, the scribes and Pharisees were screaming at him as he walked into Zacchaeus' house, why are you eating with sinners and publicans? And he got angry, but Jesus didn't leave because he said that. He cared about Zacchaeus' heart. And when you care about a person's heart, what happens is they open everything up, they start feeling guilty, they resolve the sin issues in their life, and all of a sudden their lives are changed. That's what happened. That's what Jesus did. Now, if you notice, Jesus didn't focus on a person's problem and say, you're depressed, straighten it out, grow up. Why do you have negative thoughts? You shouldn't be angry. I don't hear any of that in the Gospels. Now, we like to say that to people, but that doesn't solve people's problems. No, Jesus did not focus on the sin of a person. He focused on their heart. He focused on accepting, understanding, and caring. And what happened is people's hearts changed. Now, if you want your wife's heart to change, could I suggest you ask her questions directed to her heart? And if you see something she never received, or you see a pain, care about it. And do the little wee prayer with her. It only takes a few minutes. Watch, your wife is going to get so excited about you, she's going to give her heart to you. You might be a wife as a husband who's emotionally locked. Maybe he was damaged by a critical, perfectionist father. And emotionally, he's been angry inside and holding it all inside. And one night you take your husband by the hand and say, you mind if I pray? And nobody says no to that. And you say, Jesus, my husband was damaged by a perfectionist father who was angry at him and he could never measure up. Jesus, do you care about his heart? Could you heal the damage his daddy did to him? A number of years ago, we spoke in a little friend's church in the middle of Iowa in the middle of a cornfield and I'd never been to that area and uh, we drove past this cornfield and here was this huge church seated 500 um, and I spoke there on Sunday morning and a little girl the pastor's daughter invited her friend to come to church and her friend's dad was not a Christian and he came to church because his daughter wanted to be with her friend and so he was sitting in the church and I shared my story and he identified with it and he scheduled into my office. He came there and he was struggling. He had sold his farm because the doctor says you have high blood pressure and if you don't sell your farm, you're probably not going to see your grandkids so you probably ought to sell your farm and relax a little bit so you don't have such high blood pressure. So he sold his corn farm and he was sitting in the house, watching TV six hours a day. So he comes into my office and uh, I ask him his story and he told me that his father was a perfectionist and he could never measure up and his dad would get angry and critical of him and he emotionally shut down. So I led him in a little bitterness prayer to forgive his dad for that. And I led him in a prayer, Jesus, could you draw me a picture of my heart damaged by my dad? And he saw these steps 
and the little boy was trying to climb 18-inch steps and he couldn't get to the next step. And his dad was screaming at the top of the steps to get up here. And he started crying. He was 60 years of age, this man. And he saw this picture. Jesus, do you care about little boys who can't ever measure up? And he saw Jesus reaching a staff to the first step. And the little boy grabbed the staff and helped him to the next step, and the next step, and the next step, until he got to the top. Jesus, could you heal my heart from that? And all of a sudden, I saw a man totally relax. Then we ask another question, Jesus, do I have a heart relationship with you or just a head relationship? And he looked and opened his eyes and says, I don't have anything with Jesus. I said, do you want one? Well, sure, that's why I'm here. I said, I'm sorry. Jesus, um, what do I need to do to have a relationship with you? And he saw a cross where Jesus had died for his sins. And Jesus said, oh, I have to believe that I died for you. And you can have eternal life and you can be my child. And in simple faith, this man walked through the process of inviting Christ into his life. He went home, went back to his doctor for a physical. His doctor said, what happened to you? your blood pressure's down? He said, well, this man made me tell him all of my problems. And I shared all my problems and he led me in a prayer to Jesus and I feel different. And the doctor says, something happened because your blood pressure went down. He had lost his pain with his father. And for the first time he could relax since he was probably six or eight years of age. The problem wasn't the fact that his high blood pressure came from his work. On the farm, it came from the emotional pressure and damage from his father. The point I'd like to make is if I would have focused and said, why are you bitter toward your father? You shouldn't be bitter. Why can't you release your father? He didn't mean what he said. No, I accepted what happened to him. I sought to understand the pain this man went through as a child going through that. And then I cared and then introduced him to Jesus. Not only did he accept Christ, but he lost his pain. And that's exactly what Jesus did if you read the Gospels. In resolving issues, there are only two kinds of problems people have. Sin problems and emotional damage problems, that's it. People are very simple. Sin issues we have to acknowledge and repent of. Emotional pain issues, we need to lead a person in a prayer to Jesus and allow Jesus to heal their hearts so that they can come to freedom from the pain they've experienced. Now, in these evenings together, we're going to focus on two books. This book, called the Biblical Concepts Counseling Workbook, identifies the seven spiritual issues on this sheet, on the right-hand side and there's a prayer to resolve each of those issues uh, in that book. This book identifies 21 different pain issues people have, everything from abuse issues, emotional issues, to pressure patterns, and there are prayers to resolve each of those issues in this book here. And um, like here are the prayers to resolve the pain
if you had a very controlling spouse or controlling parent that emotionally damaged you, here's the prayer that you would lead that person in to actually resolve that issue in their personal life. Jesus um, loves to heal hearts. But in order for him to heal our hearts, we need to identify the issues that we've been damaged by, the things we didn't receive, the things that we got hurt by. We need to identify those and take those to Jesus and let Jesus allow Jesus to heal those in our heart. In Colossians chapter 3, 12 to 17, there are, um, Paul challenges us in that passage to put on a heart of compassion, a heart of kindness, a heart of humility, a heart of meekness, and a heart of patience. If you and I are to understand people's hearts, we need to demonstrate these five characteristics um, to understand and to care about them. If on the other hand, you're trying to care about a spouse, we need to demonstrate these same attitudes toward them. It's interesting this model of counseling, this method of counseling works for husbands caring about their wives, for wives caring about their husbands, for parents caring about their children. It doesn't make any difference what the issue is. You can care about a friend, a neighbor, but you have to take time to first of all understand, or excuse me, accept them where they are without judging them. Understand and find the cause for why they're struggling Thirdly, care about that, and fourth, lead them in a prayer to resolve that issue in their heart. A number of years ago, a couple from Australia came to our office for five months. They wanted training, so they sold their house in Australia and moved to Colorado Springs, and they watched the counseling process, came to the training week we had there, and they had just adopted a little girl from India. And that little girl came from an orphanage, from a very poor home. That little girl had been sexually abused, and she was touching herself inappropriately as a four-year-old girl. Secondly, at night, she would get up at 3 o'clock in the morning, scared there wouldn't be food in the house, and she would raid the refrigerator and eat all the pickles and drink the pickle juice. And by the time the mother got there, she was throwing up because she ate too much but she couldn't control her eating because she was scared to death in the morning there would be no food because in the orphanage many mornings there was no food but she didn't understand how to stop that pain and the mother was watching as I was helping people in my office come to freedom and she says John what do I do with my little girl I said I want you to take your little girl in your arms and I want you to identify the issues number one she would wake up in the morning with no food and I want you to start caring and understanding that pain. Imagine yourself being in a situation where you didn't have food for six months or a year. What would happen inside? Would you be fearful that there wouldn't be fear, food? Would you be insecure? And then I want you to identify what may have happened to her sexually that caused her to inappropriately touch herself. The mother took a little girl in her arms and began to care about each of those things. And then she had a little prayer, Jesus, my little girl, when she was very little, didn't have any food and she's scared inside. Can you heal that pain and that fear inside? 
She went through a little prayer with her daughter. The daughter never raided the refrigerator, and the daughter never touched herself after that. And the mother came back and says, this stuff works, I can't believe this. I said, yeah, your little girl was emotionally damaged in two ways. And when you understood that and cared and prayed with her, Jesus could turn a little four-year-old girl's heart around. It's neat to see how God can change hearts and resolve issues in people's hearts. And that's the value um, of being able to take people to Jesus and allow Jesus to heal them. I'm going to ask the pastor to come to the front at this time. And um, after the break, uh, we're going to show a video of a lady from California who's emotionally damaged by her mother. And I show this video because this lady uh, identifies her pain, identifies how Marilyn, a friend of hers, actually led her in a prayer to resolve her pain. And she has a lot of pain. And just because one person cared in a church like this, Alexandria lost her problem of depression, hospitalization for her depression, um, and she lost her bitterness toward her mother. And I'd like for you to watch that testimony. And then after the testimony, I'm going to share how do you actually, from Scripture, identify how David prayed to resolve his pain in the Psalms. And we're going to close with that this evening. Thank you. Thank you, John, for sharing with us. And uh, at this time, and each evening, we want to just uh, bless them with a love offering because uh, it takes time and effort and energy to do something like this. And so we want to come alongside and, and encourage them in that way. And so um, at this point, uh, we'll pray for the offering and uh, we'll uh, take the offering here. Lord, we come to you and we just thank you for what we've heard already today and anticipate what we'll hear yet this evening. And we want to just look to you as our ultimate source of strength, provision, healer, Lord, the one who forgives us and cleanses us and heals us. And, and we just thank you for the ministry of caring for the heart. And we just pray your blessing upon it. And we thank you for this opportunity that we have to give back to this ministry to uh, encourage it. And so we ask for your blessing upon this offering. In your name, amen.
10 till 8. We're going to take a 15-minute break, so be back at 5 after. And on your way out, if you still need um, a handout from this morning, uh, we've got three handouts on the back, the two from tonight and the one from this morning. If you would like to uh, continue to access any of the content, these materials, they are right now being posted on our website, so BuellerMBChurch.org, and then you'll be able to go to our media section. And so like this morning's message, if you were not able to be here this morning, it's on our website right now for you to be able to uh, watch that as, as one of our archives. So we wanna allow you to have all these resources to be able to help you. And uh, so feel free to take advantage of that. We'll see you back in 15 minutes, five after eight.